welcome to this week in hearing. One of the earliest disruptors in the direct-to-consumer technology segment of the hearing care market was Ergo. Today with me is Christian Gormson. He's CEO of Ergo. Christian, thank you so much for being here today. I mean, thank you for having me. So, Christian, uh, it's it's a pleasure. And you know, let's start off a little bit by talking about you. What is your background before we we engage in in some of this other conversation? Well, I, again, I mean, thank you for having me, uh, and hello to everyone. It's it's really an honor to be here and talk about hearing health. Um, I'm Christian Gormson. I'm the CEO of Eargo. Uh, we are a direct-to-consumer hearing aid company. We'll get into more details about that later. Uh, prior to that, um, I started my career out of Europe, um, initially in advisory. I was part of the early consolidation of the hearing aid back in the late uh, hearing aid industry in the late 90s, leading into 2000. I joined GN Resound uh, as head of strategy and business development in early 2000s was part of the ReSound Air launch and so on that many professionals, probably a pivotal moment for the industry with open fits, uh, but had a great opportunity to work in a great company, bringing cultures together um, and, and launching innovative products. Uh, my focus area was really driving all of that change that happened in this period of time and also building out distribution. So. Uh, one of the big challenges has always been access in the hearing aid industry. At GN, we were really focused not necessarily on owning retail. We actually started divesting retail at that time, but also how do we partner with the amplifones, the kinderhörgeräte of the world, and how do we expand access? So in Europe, we started with Boots Hearing Care. We started with Specsaver, so vision and pharmacy. In the U.S., we really partnered with Costco. Um, and so I was part of launching Kirkland Signature Hearing Aids in mid-2000s. Uh, how do we bring that out? I think something that everybody is aware of. I was president for global accounts, so running all the global retailers um, across the world, um, in addition to running Europe and, and operations. I left GN in uh, late 2012, uh, worked as an advisor, was part of the whole Siemens acquisition by private equity, or what then became, you know, Signia. Um, so that was an interesting journey. And around that time, I was introduced uh, by investors to this new startup out of uh, the US called Eargo that were looking sort of to revolutionize the hearing aid industry more on that later, uh, but ended up initially advising them was a board member. And then in 2016, I, I moved with my family uh, from Europe to the US and have been been here since. Wow, that's a that's an incredible story. So you've seen uh, a number of different changes in the industry. But you know, the, the, the common theme that we've had Christian is hearing health matters and we're looking at hearing wellness for that individual so let's talk a little bit about hearing wellness what is your ideologies about hearing wellness uh for for our audience yeah no uh and, and again this is why i'm so excited to to be talking with you today uh, i'm in because this is why i joined Diego. this is why i've stayed in this industry i think collectively if we're honest as an industry globally U.S. every single market we, we we failed in helping more people hear better. I think the people we do help live better lives and different lives because of the help they're getting. 
uh, and be that that's partly the product that's partly the service delivered to them uh, but a penetration rate like we're looking at in the us of around 25 percent is honestly an embarrassment right even in countries where we offer free hearing health i'm from scandinavia right but you look at the uk it's still less than 50% of the population who could benefit, right? And so the fundamental issue we have in hearing is people, you know, find excuses not to do something, right? And it's like, how can we motivate, instead of keep doing what we've always been doing, how can we do things differently to help motivate more people and sort of to remove the perception of the products and the industry to say, you know, the, the, the analogy I always provide, I mean, uh, when I've, and we've been through a lot at Eargo, but when I talk to investors is, imagine I'm wearing a white coat. Imagine you're sitting in a chair, I'm wearing glasses. And first of all, you would never think about the fact that I'm wearing glasses. I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not retired. Uh, and if you thought about why I'm wearing glasses, you would be, I'm thankful that this person is doing his best to do his best on me. I'm thankful. If I, on the other hand, would be wearing, you know, something like this behind my ear, you immediately say, why is he wearing that? What is wrong with him? And I'm a medical professional. Maybe I'm a dentist. Maybe I'm whatever. Um, you would immediately have that feeling. It's like, what's wrong? Right? And, and that, that, that's wrong. That that's the perception we have. And, and I think this is where hearing health matters. We all know all the correlations about hearing loss. Hearing loss is probably the best early indicator of some of the worst diseases out there. You know, social isolation, depression, Alzheimer's. We, we all know it, uh, but it's an early indicator. And, and what, what it really is, you can do something. You can proactively as an individual do something to, to keep, sharp to be more socially engaged to to not avoid you know these situations to lean into it and people choose deliberately not to do something and i think that's what about hearing health matters because we know the best way to solve health on a much broader scale is to get people being more active more engaged and and hearing is probably if not the most important sense that you need in order to be engaged and we're, we're not doing that. So what more can we do? I think that's really my cry. Uh, and I think that's also the cry of year ago. What more can we do to, to really help people, you know, do something about their hearing? Sorry, that was a long ramble. You got me going there. I, I mean, no, no. And I think that's fantastic because I, I think you, you, you made a couple of critical points. One of them being is that we have a, a, a disjointed system between what we would call patient engagement and quality of life, right? Those are the two major pieces. The, the quality of life is, is, is the benefit that somebody receives from not only the product, but also from the services that the provider uh, provides. Uh, but then you have this patient engagement component, and that patient engagement has uh, you know, various um, uh, attributes that are positive, and then there are other attributes that are negative, like stigma, right? And so we have this disjointed, it's weighted in one direction or another that doesn't allow for these two pieces to align. And I think as you pointed out, the second piece of this is there are new opportunities to take these two disjointed components and bring them together. And hopefully over time, 
and time will tell, that we'll, we'll be able to synergize these so that that market is able to grow in such a way. Agreed. What do you think of that comment? No, I, I couldn't agree more. And I, and I think that was really the notion behind Yergo, right? Sort of to, to lead into that, but how do, we, how do we bridge this? And you don't bridge it by, by doing what you've always done, but you, you definitely also don't bridge it by doing something completely different, right? You, you wanna learn from the best. And I think the best example, and I'm sorry for jumping up and down here, and I know we'll get to this point, uh, you know, it, it's the professional support, right? Because you got the product that sort of embodies the stigma and the embarrassment, and then you got the professional support. And I think one of the key aspects at year ago was from day one, we wanted, professionals support to be an important part of the equation. We didn't want to take it out, right? And, and also when we'll get into the OTC discussions, I still believe that the single most important things for having good outcome, and I shouldn't be saying that with a disruptive product, is not the product, but it's the experience that, that the user ultimately has. And nobody is better qualified and at delivering that experience than a hearing professional that is trained at it and that has done this their entire life. What we really focused on in Eager is like, how do we deliver that experience in a different way? You know, because the clinics, you know, it's expensive. It's not very efficient. We all know that. Um, so how can we deliver the aspects that are delivered in a clinic in a more virtual manner, in an easier accessible manner, you know, online, over the phone, you know, video, these types of things. So that was a big part of, you know, the whole, you know, fundam you know, foundation of what your goal is. No, and, and I can appreciate that. I mean, you know, if, if you think about the world, right, it, at one point in time, the only way that you could, and let's use food as an example, the only way that you could go out and have a meal was to get in the car or, and go somewhere. Now, you know, with the evolution of technology, with the, the differences in generational needs, there are different segments, right? So now you can have a DoorDash or you can have an Uber bring you something. You can go somewhere, you can go through a drive-through. There's so many different ways in which food can be acquired. Same thing with groceries, same thing with shopping. So it's, it's, it's allowing people to access, as you put it, opportunities and they're doing it in different ways. And I think Ergo has one of those opportunities, which I find extremely fascinating. Yeah, no, no. And, and the, the, what I keep telling, uh, I had a meeting with all our employees yesterday. So we were close to 300 people on Zoom, some in person. And I said, this is not about one way or the other way, because each individual is an individual and have different preferences. So like, how do we meet the users where they are? Some people want to go into a clinic. They want to have that very professional consultation. They want to feel like, and that's absolutely fair. And there's a great solution for that. Some people prefer to do it from the comfort of their home, the privacy, you know, not involving everybody else, right? That's another one. I think we cater very well to that. I think what I'm excited about also with OTC hearing now is, hey, you can go out and you can get some, not same level of quality as in a clinic, but you can go out, get some experiences in a Best Buy store, on a wireless store, on a pharmacy. But it's all about meeting the customers where they are, as opposed to dictating. The only way you can get the help is if you do that. That's not very democratic. 
so to speak, if you force, and, and I think that's been, you know, hey, regulations and so on historically has driven that behavior, but as we have been prescribing, this is the only way you can do it, right? Uh, and that's not, that's not keeping up with evolution, right? Evolution is you keep finding ways to make things more accessible. Yeah, no, 100%. And, 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 and I, I, I want to bring this to light because I hear this quite a bit. There is a, a fear, there's an anxiety um, that having this type of different segmentation is actually going to cannibalize some practices in a negative way. And the argument could be, yes, that's true, but there's also the flip side of that is it's not true because there's so many people to be helped and we don't have enough providers. You want to talk a little bit about that for us? Yeah, so um, another great question. And in isolation, that, that view is correct, right? Hey, you know, some people are bound to make other decisions than go through the clinical approach in isolation. But, and I would agree with that concern if we had 80% of the people who needed hearing aids wearing hearing aids. That's not the case. You know, I think last year, what, 4.4 million hearing aids were sold in America, right, roughly. Um, but we know that number could have been 20 million, right? Literally 20 million. We, we know uh, devices, right? We know there's that many people out there who are not getting the benefit, right? And, and the whole point is the more people we get into the industry, the more we will also, people will understand that they, they're willing to get more, they will pay for more service, more support, more experience. And I think it's looking at, instead of looking narrow, looking at the full opportunity i'm completely with you here because this is that that's what it's really all about and you know we've had some early pushback on the ego business model from the industry and i'm like you know we're not out to steal anyone's lunch right we're out to help more people hear better that because again as, as you said it and no pun intended but hearing health really matters right and, and this industry is so underserved right um, especially the, the more, and I think that's another piece that's important when you look at it. The, the truly underserved part is the, the earlier adapters, the mild to moderate losses. You know, the, the severe profound losses are pretty well served uh, because they have to, they can't function without it, right? But I think, but we all know that the sooner you get comfortable wearing something, using a product, the easier it is you know, to benefit from it, right? And unfortunately, as we get older, we do get more stubborn. That is a, a fact of life, right? And, and, and change becomes harder as you age. Imagine if people started wearing and getting hearing support in their 50s and 60s, by the time they turn 70 or 80, they'll, they'll be much better equipped, right? And they'll be much easier customers to be. They would still need to go to a clinic to make sure they get the right solution if their hearing loss is severe enough, right? Um, so, no, there's a lot of opportunity here. Yeah, and, 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 and what I really like about what you said is, you know, we need to think of things in a different way and we need to cater to the consumer. And I really like the slogan that you guys have come up with, and that is reimagining what hearing wellness looks like. So we're not looking back, we're looking forward in order to help these individuals. Can you share a little bit about where that slogan came from? Because I'll, I'm a huge fan of that. 
Well, I wish I could claim credit for it. We have some far <laughs> more creative people. Uh, they've also been been part of repositioning the hearing category. You're seeing some of that behind me. I'm sitting here in my office, right? Um, so I, I, I got to give credit where credit is due. And I think that's bringing in consumer people with a consumer mindset from a creative brand point of view. That is like, what is it that people want to hear? Uh, hearing aids, unfortunately, have a a bad ring to it, right? right? And I think the more we talk about wellness and these types of things, um, you know, people, you know, who doesn't want to feel well? Nobody, right? Everybody wants to feel well. What does it take to feel well or hear well? Well, it actually takes, you know, the, the, the hearing aid and the device and so on, but, but at least we can deal with it, right? So um, that, that's really where it came from. Our, you know, how do we, you know, we've spent, since we launched a year ago in 2017, you know, we get instantaneous feedback from thousands of thousands of people every day. We average 10,000 visitors to our website every day, right? We engage with a lot of users, which I think has, has always been separated industry. The people who develop the technology don't have direct end user engagement, right? They sell to the clinics, right? The clinics, have engagement with users, but not that many. Typically the foot traffic in a clinic is not very high, right? And right. the amount of customer served is measured in, in hundreds, not in thousands, right? We're getting thousands of input every single day, right? Um, from, from customers and, and you know, understanding how the customer thinks and hey, what would help you consider? So, so what our team has really been focused on is, what does the customer want to hear, right? And they want to hear about hearing wellness, right? They want that reimagined. And that's ultimately where this whole, you know, phrase is coming from. And, you know, when we started a year ago, that's also what we said is, okay, we have one goal and it's the, it's the user, right? You know, our North Star is the user. Our North Star, apologies, is not the clinic. It's not the engineer. It's not the clinic. You know, it is the user, right? And how do we find that user and how do we speak to that user instead of having, you know, advanced environmental recognizer optimization features? You know, we, we have a tendency in this industry to use very advanced words for a lot of the features at the pro. What does it do, right? You know, we have sound match, right? We have sound adapt. But how do we make all of this, you know, how do we speak to the user and not speak to the professional, not speak to the engineer, but really speak to the user? Yeah, and, and, and my understanding, uh, Christian, is, is that you all have developed various entities within this slogan of reimagining what hearing wellness looks like. And one of them is service delivery, where you have an educational component uh, you have uh, remote or telecare, and then you have these support mechanisms in place in order to help the, the end user fulfill that wellness goal or that North Star that you're talking about. Can you share a little bit about that with us, please? Yeah, no, no. Uh, and I think they maybe to take the sequence that everybody can relate to, sorry for breaking it. Hey, though, typically the, the journey, the, everybody, every participant in the hearing industry, it starts you know, with the hearing aid, right? That, that's sort of how we all come about it. And this is the hearing aid that 
80, 90% of the hearing aids sold in America. This is a, 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 this is a great rechargeable RIC product. It's actually rechargeable, which is somewhat new. Rechargeable wasn't really present when we launched a year ago. Uh, everything was actually replaceable batteries, right? For comparison, this is the Ergo product, right? This is what made me fall in love with Ergo initially. It um, was the, the product design. And because again, for, for a mild to moderate, you know, that's the size, right? This is a classic from an industry point of view. I would call this a, a CIC, right? It's a CIC product fits in your ear, you, you won't be able to see it. it. It's still an open fit. It has a very transparent tip design. That's all part of the designs that were, were made. And that was the initial reimagine. How, how do you get people to think about, you know, the invisibility, the comfort, it's not an occluding device. There are a lot of CIC options in the industry, but most of them are quite severely occluding. This one is a non-occlusive, CIC or um, so, so it's quite comfortable. That was the original notion. Okay, we make it rechargeable. We do all of these things. We give the customer what one want from a product. That's how we started back in 2017. I said, okay, that is enough to reimagine in hearing wellness. But what we very quickly learned, and we, we're gonna sell it online, not through a clinic. We'll sell it direct to consumer. We'll leverage federal preemption. We'll do these things. And we were really struggling because customers, we did get customers, they were hard to convert. They didn't really want to get them, but we got some. And those that we got, we saw by return rates. Um, I'm like, why? It's a great product. But anyone who's ever worked with a hearing aid knows that a hearing aid requires work, right? Requires maintenance, tuning, adaptation. It's a rehabilitation process. So we very, very quickly said, okay, we, we can't, you know, it's not going to work on its own, right? We need to build, we need to manage expectations before people even buy it. We need to make them aware what it mean, what hearing wellness means, right? Because it requires you as an individual to take active measures. If you do not clean your hearing aid, it is not going to work, right? You wear glasses. How often do you clean your glasses? Probably a couple of times a day, right? It, it's those types of things. You've got to do the same with a hearing aid. And if people are, and most people don't expect to clean a hearing aid, right? It was like, okay, how do we get that upfront in the process, right? How do we make sure that the hearing aid actually works for them, right? Because we cater for mild and moderate losses. We don't cater for severe losses, profound losses. How do we, how do we, how do we make sure we, we don't want to sell to a person with a severe loss because they're not going to get a great experience because of their hearing threshold, they won't get any benefit. How do we adjust? So, so we basically very quickly reimagined the whole setup. So yes, we have, I think, a fantastic product and a highly differentiated product, but the customer is much more, we call it the Invisaligner of hearing aids, right? But, uh, you know, I think we have a great product, but to your point, it's really the service accessibility. So we said, the more we educate people upfront, actually, we saw our conversion go up we would sell to more interested parties by educating them more upfront. Instead of having a hearing professional do all that, you know, the, the initial one is really about creating that human connection. Why are we calling, you know, establishing that need. So, so we actually had more, more consultative trained uh, people, you know, helping understand what the real issue was. And, and frankly, also that allowed us to focus our hearing professionals time. So we would, establish a need, we would build that rapport, 
this is what it takes. It's an investment. It's not just a monetary investment, even though your go is a lower cost. It's still an investment. It's still a lot of money. It's also a time investment and a personal investment. You, you, you get in or you get out what you put in, in terms of, you know, understanding how the device works. And of course, our model is very much based on, you know, empowerment of the user. So we did that up front. We took him into the sales process. We, we, have, we developed an online hearing screen now, or we actually acquired a, a, a company out of uh, Holland, Clementine, who've developed you know, hearing screens because people want to understand. It's not like they want their hearing fixed. They actually want to understand what's happening. So we built that sort of in front of the sales process. And then after the actual sale and the delivery of the product, what we really, you know, we are almost insisting that our customers you go through what we call an onboarding call. And these are, all of these calls are performed by licensed professionals. So audiologists or HIS, right? But people who are actually licensed to and have practiced audiology before to help them understand, have I inserted it the right way? Am I getting feedback? Do I need to tune it in a different way? We can also remotely support the tuning. You can do some of it yourself. There's a bunch of features there that allows, but it was really having that conversation with a professional um, and saying, okay, have you tried to take the tip off? Do you know how to clean it? You know, is it charging the right way? All of these things that typically people have to go into a clinic multiple times to be reminded how to do, how do we actually do that and drive that? Of course, we had created initially the video, click here, click here, but people watch a video. When you have a conversation, a lot more happens, right? So, so this was a huge part of what we said. For some people, that initial call is all they need. Some people yeah. need five calls. Some people need 10 calls. And we said, we don't want to differentiate. We don't want to say you, got, you get one, you know, you will get all the help you need, right? Because a return, it's bad for our business, but it's also a bad experience for the user, right? Uh, because if they return, they, the likelihood is not that they're going to go and get another hearing aid. It's probably that they're going to give up on getting a hearing aid. So, so that has really been sort of part of this North Star driving that how do we, how do we create the best customer experience, right? Uh, while not incurring the cost setup and the inefficiencies of having a clinic, right? Because, you know, we have customers from all over the country. Uh, the amount of clinics we would have to cater for that would be, you know, prohibitive, right? Um, so so that, that was really all the thinking. And well, when we talked, we talked about like, how do we design our service delivery and it, so, so so we're looking at it before purchase so consideration purchase and then post purchase well that's tremendous because you you know most most of your and again not to throw anybody under the bus but most of these traditional models leave that to the the clinician to find out and you see huge variability in performance which in my eyes is, is probably one of the reasons that we see the low penetration that we do. It looks, it, again, you guys have reimagined what hearing looks like by thinking not just the product through, but also the services. And on top of that, you've also considered the accessibility piece with online shopping, the affordability piece with uh, you know, uh, the, uh, the financing that you guys have available. And then also, you have warranties that per people can purchase as well. So you've thought through that whole process, which is what I really appreciate about 
some of the things that Ergo is starting to bring to the market, which we hope will proliferate as this new segment of OTC continues to evolve. No, uh, exactly. And, and that's also, uh, I, I've been out publicly saying, I, I'm very excited about what's happening with OTC. I've also said, um, I, I'm also concerned, as I'm, I'm not concerned that the wrong people and, and damaging hearing, but I am concerned about the confusion, right? Because the expectations are very high. And I think a lot of retailers have a tendency to promise that just get this device and everything is great. And we know, you know, we've lived it. I think we have a great product and we've launched multiple generations of products, but we know that a great product without service is not a good recipe, right? And, you know, that's why our emphasis in the OTC world, and we definitely want to participate is like, how do we still enable, luckily we have the backend that can deliver a lot of the support, right? But also how can we work with OTC retail partners that are willing to do more education upfront than just put it on a shelf in the back or in a clamshell, right? Because people will have the wrong expectation, right? And the expectation, the, the bulk of the expectation is being created when you buy the product, right? And if you don't have that, some discussions or consultation before you buy it, but you just like pull it off the shelf. Your expectation is it's going to, it's going to be as easy to hear as, as taking a product off the shelf. And that's not going to work. I, I had a big discussion yesterday with our whole company. As I said, we have about 40 licensed professionals at a year ago. And, you know, part of the concern is, do we have a job in the future? Um, and on top of that, you're looking at the meta layoffs and the Twitter layoffs. And it, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a scary market right now. And of course, the FDA does not require a professional to be involved in, in the sale uh, of a hearing aid, nor the support of a hearing aid for mild and moderate, which is a huge part of our market. And I was like, I know the FDA, but there's also... A, there's a, there's a limitation to how much you can regulate. And I think over-regulation has also led to, you know, a stagnation in the industry for a long time. So I think the, the, the FDA is doing the right thing. But I would say as a company at Ergo, we will insist on having service available, right? And I said, I think this is going to be because relative to a clinic, Ergo is significantly cheaper but relative to some of the offerings we're already seeing over the counter we're actually more expensive we're, we're, we're becoming the clinic from a price point point of view but i think it's not just the product right it's also the service it's also the experience um and what i told all our professionals is you know we're proud to have you we believe that you are a foundation and a pillar you know that we're gonna be successful on Right. Um, because some customers might not need it, but I bet that the majority of customers will benefit from getting support, right? And, for, and nobody delivers better support than hearing professionals because that's what they're trained at. These are people who actually care that people hear better and they know what it takes to hear better, right? Uh, that's the whole training. That's the choice that these individuals have made in their life is that they want to help people hear better. Yeah, no, and, and, and I appreciate that comment because I think that is so, so true. And I, I want to go back to one thing that you said that I think, again, is, is important, and that is the experience of the individual with the, with, the, with the unit. 
and and with the individual. So I could come in and and you could trust me. We would put the the device in the ear. And for a lot of individuals where the the uh, rubber kind of hits the road in the wrong way and you end up with a flat tire is with the occlusion effect. And you all have found a way to lessen that through a, I think you guys call it a, uh, I think it occurred because of a fishing fly and it has reduced the, uh, the, the uh, occlusion effect and then it's allowed these devices to be small, which I think is absolutely fascinating. Can you share a little bit about that? Yes. Um, no, this is the reason why I worked at Yerko, right? I, as I said, I, I joined GN right at the time of Resound Air. I'd been part of as a consultant to them. And I think the revolutionary part of Resound Air was that open, open fit, right? You know, very transparent hearing. You wouldn't block out any outside noise or very low frequency. You would amplify, you know, the frequencies that you were losing. So you would hear speech and so on better. And I think Resound Air was truly a revolution in the hearing aid industry at that time, right? And of course, that was driven by the digital processors, the feedback suppression, all, you know, uh, all of those things. When I saw the original design of Yergo, um, in 2013, I was like, I, I remember putting it in my ear and my ear didn't occlude, right? Because a lot of them, the shells and also the receiver shells, but even the receiver domes and, and no pun intended uh, to, to this one, but many people will recognize it, are actually quite occlusive. So when you put them in, it's like, you know, it's like wearing my AirPods as I'm doing right now. You get that occluding feeling. And personally, I've, I've always, it makes me uncomfortable. Occlusion makes me uncomfortable because I, I lose my sense of surroundings. I lose my low frequency awareness. Um, and I never had that with year ago. So, so the, the whole concept was not just the design of the, of the tip to begin with, which is much more layered, allowing air to pass through, but also the choices of material, how it's actually being done. So what people don't recognize is the uh, Ego invests more in tip designs than any other of the large manufacturers, because it's, it's that fit in the ear that makes a huge difference to the perception. I think the industry has unfortunately gotten down to very generic domes and so on, which are, would do a great job of occluding your ear. But again, that's no different from a headset. It, uh, but then you become reliant on the microphone sort of to compensate for that. You don't actually leverage the human anatomy. And, and the original thinking of the inventor of the Ego uh, FlexiFiber was an ENT surgeon. And what he really wanted to do, he wanted to create a healthy ear. And a healthy ear meets air circulation. Air can circulate. So you don't get that heating sensation you do when you occlude your ear because you're, you, know, you actually heat up the inside of the ear. He also wanted to do it so that when you pulled out the hearing aid, instead of pushing in earwax and debris, you would actually pull it out. So it mm. kind of worked as, a, as an ear cleaner concept. So his whole original concept, I, I just broke it off, was just the very, very tip and um, that was sort of his invention that he ran a patent on. Then his two sons, uh, no, his one son and his friend basically came up with the electronics package. You know, can't we build an electronic package, microphone, speaker, processor that would allow for sort of modern audio processing. Uh, but, but that was the whole foundation of Yergo. And I think what we've done since then has been, you know, we actually, 
recruited the former CTO of Starkey. Starkey has always been a, a world leader when it comes to in-ear technology. Um, so we recruited him into the company. Like, how do we develop the very best setup between like the physical fit, as well as of course the processing package. Um, and, and that is what Eargo is, but it, it originates out of the, the, the passion to create a healthy ear uh, that would allow air circulation, not suppress low frequency background noise and so on, which gives us our sense of awareness. Um, and then still create a good fit in the ear so that you could deliver audio. That's incredible. And so as you're talking about processors, you have, I see, I believe it's four products that are available on the market. You've got the uh, Ergo 6, the Ergo 5, the Ergo Neo Hi-Fi, excuse me, and the Ergo Max. Can you talk a little bit about your products, please? Yeah, no, no. So the, the products is, like we said, uh, Ergo 6 is our sixth product. Uh, so we went to, to an, a very simple numerical. I, I think, again, we started off where the industry started, uh, coming up with all sorts of creative names that doesn't ring a bell to anyone but the engineers and the product marketing teams, right? Um, and it's like, why are we doing that? Um, and uh, you, you spend so much power naming a device and say, what really matters is what does Ergo stand for? And Ergo stands for unique, you know, like you said, reimagining hearing wellness, right? That's what Ergo is. Um, and it's just, it's not just the product, it's also the service and everything we talked about. And it's like, why don't we just name them numerically? Because that's something that I think nobody has done it any better than our friends uh, from Apple, right? You kind of know the, the highest number is the latest product. Um, and that has more features or benefits or software opportunities than the earlier products. So, so that has really been the analogy. Um, and we've also been focusing on creating a high cadence of innovation because some customers are truly reliant and, and they're actually happy and they, they want Every time you have something new, they want that and they're willing to make that investment because again, it's a product you're dependent on. Uh, so we've gone with a, a high cadence of innovation. We've done annual launches since we launched a year ago instead of you know, three to four years between major product launches as I think we know from industry, but then the industry offers seven different products within a family. So how do we simplify to one product style? We only have the the CIC style, invisible, comfortable in the ear, right? But run at a higher cadence. So we bring out new innovation, new improvements in, in processing or design improvements or tip improvements. All of these are aspects that we, we upgrade on, not necessarily all of them with every product launch, but when do we have something meaningful to introduce to the customers, right? So, so Ergo 6 is our latest. We launched that this year, um, back in January, right? Um, Ergo 5 and 6 are the same hardware platform. So same hardware, but, you know, upgraded algorithm package from 5 to 6. Um, and I think another important piece of Ergo 5, with, with this whole platform, we moved from relying on an external processor or algorithm package, right? We had been sourcing that to our in-house algorithm package, right? So that we now have much more control over, you know, 
environmental adaptation, or we, we call it adapt, right? Or, or tuning, we call it sound match, right? But all of these algorithms are, you know, are designed and developed and optimized to our specific product design. Uh, but we changed that in five. So Neo Hi-Fi was an earlier generation. It was a contact-based charging. It had a, more of an angle into it. And, uh, you know, what we've kept pushing for has been miniaturization. And I think the Ego in five and six, you know, is basically a custom lithium-iron battery cell that we co-developed with uh, Varda micro batteries out of Germany. So, you know, we, we put innovation into all of them, but we want to make sure that, Every product stands for invisibility, right? You know, good sound quality and that the sound quality is improving in every single release we make. Uh, of course, the sound quality can also be improved through the tip design, uh, through various things, you know, how we adapt the presets. All our products come preset. So they work out of the box without a, a mobile connection uh, because some people actually want that, right? Some people want further personalization and want the ability to, to, to do that. You have that, but it's not a requirement. That was also like, we want to meet the customers where they are. And if they want more, they can do more. But baseline, you know, it literally works coming out of the box, right? That, that was another important aspect because I've, we saw that as our opportunity in the market. There's a lot of products in the industry, or you can say all products in the industry, they don't work out of the box. They only work if they're being set up by a professional. And, and, and we wanted to say, hey, and there's nothing wrong in that, but we said we wanted to be differentiated from that, right? That was part of the, the whole you know, design journey that we went through. So having said all that, I, and, and you were just talking about how you have an iteration come out every year, is it fair to say that we will see a new iteration in 2023? Hey, um, we don't want to get our head off, but no, we, we see a lot of opportunities to continue to improve the product we have and make it even better. And, and you know, what I love about working at Yergo is we get so much end user feedback because we, we have that direct link to the end users. Uh, so, so, yes, um, our ambition is to launch a new product that's even better set up, right? Um, so I, I think it's a fair assumption uh, that we will be, be launching new products, right? We, we believe that, you know, if you don't continue to invest into innovation, uh, you're going to run out of, if you just buy products that are available from somebody else, then you're not really reimagining things when you're just trying to compete. Uh, obviously we want to compete, but we also want to keep pushing the innovation. Uh, so that's an important aspect. And I can be honest, I wouldn't have joined this company if we were just a distribution company. You know, part of it for me was, well, we, we, we have the distribution side, we have the customers, but I also want to be able to really influence what the customers are getting. Um, I don't think hearing aids are a commodity. Uh, I think there's, uh, I think there's real innovation to be made, and I think we're well positioned to do so. Yeah, and 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 and, and I really appreciate that. And you know, as we as we you know move towards the the uh, the back end of our our, uh, our interview here, you know, one of the things that I'm really curious about is you're talking about innovation, you're talking about service. You to me, it seems like you've hit on all of the 
aspects that it takes from the person knowing that they have a hearing loss to the time that they get it and beyond. You know, how do you think that this OTC market is going to open up roads, not only for the distributors and the manufacturers, but also for the consumers? Yeah, um, no, I, I think we, we talked about it already, right? I think it's, uh, it's, you know, hearing becoming visible, right? So far, hearing has been hidden to the clinics, which typically aren't ideally located, right? Uh, yes, it's been at a Costco, but it's always been like hidden away, right? Um, it, the advertisements for hearing has been very much like, you know, save money now it's been very sort of price driven it's been newspaper driven so i think what otc really does it it opens up for all retailers to create you know or you know or to talk to their customers and all retailers have some level of hearing loss walking through them so i think hearing will become much more visible and i think just by being visible it'll already trigger more thought discussion and I think the key for OTC hearing is how do we create good experiences? And I think that's where there's still a lot of learnings to be had. Um, but I think the visibility, the awareness of hearing loss is going to grow. I was like, oh, well, if I can suddenly get it in the pharmacy or in the electronics store or, or the wireless, you know, wherever store, it will subconsciously be elevated from an awareness point of view. And I think that that's such an important first step here. And then I think the other thing, you know, industry insiders are very familiar with the operators and have trust in certain companies and not trust in other companies. But let's be honest, none of those companies are known to any end users, right? And I think by having more reputable uh, places where you shop, where you have been buying other things, actually cater. I think that's been a huge part of Costco's success, right? Uh, Costco is not exactly known for, hey, this is the where you're going to get all the best support in the world, but you know you can trust them, and you know if you have a problem, they'll take care of you, and you'll at least get your money back, right? You have that level of trust. You know they're not going to leave you hanging, right? People are concerned with online. They could be concerned with a small mom and pop, but people have confidence in that and i think that's another huge benefit of otc that you're bringing in much more recognizable and you know locations that people trust right um you know i think we all feel that way hey it must be real if it's there right, right. um so so i think there's a lot here but i also think given the audience of this podcast i think this is where i think there's a real opportunity not to push back otc is happening you know, and, and I'm involved in so many discussions. It's happening. Uh, it's coming. Nothing is going to stop that. And I think instead of pushing back against it, like how do how to engage with OTC, right? How 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 to support that, right? Because OTC is not for everyone, right? Severe losses, profound losses are definitely not. But also, there's a lot of people with mild and moderate loss who want more than 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 the at least the current OTC models can provide. And that's a huge opportunity for all the clinics there, but it requires that mindset that of not resisting the change, but sort of embracing it and, and, and opening up and saying, how can you as a, as a practice owner or a practice participant, how can you 
engage in this, right? How can you potentially work with these outlets? And, you know, it opens up for new revenue models. I think there's a lot of exciting things here that are, are happening uh, from, a, from a provider point of view. Yeah, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow this away, Christian, and come back to you in a couple of years and say, you know, we had this discussion and we were predicting or at least having a discussion of what we might see down the road. Let's go back and listen to what you and I talked about and see where we're at. Uh, I hope you'll take me up on that offer, uh, you know, a few months, down, at least 18 months or so down the road, where, as the, as the, uh, the market has a, a, an opportunity to evolve itself. Yep. No, hey, that would be fun. I would enjoy that. Um, and that's what I'm telling my team here. I say, hey, the, the world, I literally had a discussion this morning, right? And I was like, hey, uh, we're going to see a lot of turbulence. Uh, the next 12 to 18 months in this industry. Uh, I, but I think it's this is not a hurricane that's going to destroy things. Uh, I think this is winds of change that are going to change the industry. Um, and it will take probably, to your point, 18 months for things to stabilize, right? What happens with insurance, uh, prescriptions versus OTC, what does CMS think? But, but I think these are all change for the better. I don't see anything deteriorating. Uh, I actually think, see things getting better, but um, it'll be fun to have that discussion. Well, Christian, I really appreciate your time, your insights, and you know, I, I, I'm glad we had the opportunity to share what Ergo is because I'm not sure that everyone does. And now that they have the opportunity to hear this, uh, it'll at least give them uh, one more tool to fit into their toolbox uh, as uh, you know they continue to serve uh, the patients of uh, today and tomorrow. Great. I mean, uh, again, thank you for having me. Uh, I'd love to come back and I'd love to, you know, I think we all are on the same mission here. Uh, you know, one, hearing health matters, but it, it is really about making more people hear better. And that's why we're all in this industry um, and, and we should work together on that. Wonderful. Thank you, Christian. Great to meet you. Thank you.